When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. You guys, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode, folks. It is Tuesday, what is this? It's Tuesday, December 5th. Oh my goodness, December 5th. And just, I, I, I keep, it blows me away at the end of this month. It's the end of the year. I know you know this already, but isn't it wild how December, November and December go faster than any months known to man? January, I saw this great New Yorker cartoon the other day. January feels like the longest month of the year. And then as we go through the year, it just start it it just speeds up, speeds up. Where you get to like the end of October, November and December go by in a blip. Isn't that so freaky? Have you got all your holiday gifts yet? Are you? Did you do did you do that yet? Oh my goodness. Is everybody on Amazon or do you guys go out to actual stores? Do you put real thought into it or do you just go like, surprise me, Amazon? Oh, my goodness. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, I loved yesterday's pop culture roundup with Dana Omari. I always say this show, you know, it'll start with a laugh and then by the end, it could hit you with some tears. And I think that's called range, folks. So thank you for going the 360 distance that you do with me on this show. Um, I hope you guys are having a good week. Are you good? Are you guys okay? Okay. I just want to make sure, but I, I know it's a stressful time of the year. I just find it wild. And and you know what's weird? I, do you guys feel like this too? Is that I know we've been out of the quote unquote pandemic for a long time, but it feels like the, the world has opened way more up. I don't know. I think that must just be a personal thing. I've been like actually going out of the the house and doing things more than I've done in previous years. I'm still, I mean, very much a homebody, but I'm going out and doing things. And it's really, it's, I don't like it, folks. I'll tell you that I do not like it at all. Um, this, uh, this week, tomorrow, I have to go to the, the Dear Media Studios to record an episode of Shenanigans, or as I call it, Shenanigans, with Miss uh, Sheena Shea. Um, I, I said, hey, I'm happy to come do it. I, I'm so excited, but I'm going to need you to sign my good as gold vinyl that I brought at BravoCon and 
Sheena was like, of course. <laughs> you know, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm getting that signed. That is just, that just shot up in value once I get that Sheena Shea uh, autograph on that vinyl, which, by the way, that would have been a perfect gift to get me for Christmas, you guys. The Sheena Shea vinyl, but I already got it for myself. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> then on Wednesday, I'm going to be on the Jeff Lewis Live After Show with Justin Martindale. I'll put the information in the show notes for Wednesday's episode and also remind you on the Instagram if you want to call in and talk about anything. So how that usually works with Jeff's show is that his show is on at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Radio Andy, which I believe is channel 102. Yeah, because Howard is 100 and 101 on Sirius. And then Jeff's channel is 789. So Jeff does his show on Radio Andy. And then the after show is at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on uh, the Jeff Lewis Live channel 789. And me and Justin Martindale will be there. And then that night is the Hollywood Houselift season two premiere uh, Jeff Lewis has a reality series on Amazon Freebie. And Amazon Freebie, it's kind of cool, actually, because uh, it's free. <laughs> it's it's like Amazon Prime, like Prime you know, TV and video, but it's their free version of it. And Hollywood Houselift, uh, Jeff Lewis has his own show. They did the first season last season, and they're premiering the second season this week. And so I got invited to that uh that premiere, and I'm kind of nervous about going to that, and and it should be fun, and I know some of those guys now, so I'm looking forward to that. But I just watched a couple of the episodes today. I think they, I think it gets released on Wednesday, but I watched it, and it's kind of classic Jeff Lewis. I mean, it's in the vein of flipping out, but it's it's a little more elevated in certain ways, where he is obviously. Uh, you know, helping stars renovate certain portions of their houses. And I think, you know, I don't know. I, je- I find Jeff really, uh, really funny in just that he says anything that he wants. You know, I was I was talking about this on, I think, the show yesterday, or I was, I, I was talking about, you know, I've always had this insane kind of uh, people-pleasing element about me. Like, I want to please people. And, you know, to the point where I've, I've, I've not done myself a lot of good with that that quality. Like, sometimes it goes, you know, but I'm always like, oh, I don't want to fight. I want to make sure everybody's okay. I want to do this. And sometimes when you're a people-pleaser like that, you kind of forget actually what you want out of life, what you want to do. But I always admire people like Jeff. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of successful people are like that, where it's like, they they go by the beat of their own drum for better or worse. But isn't it interesting? Those are the people that usually wind up the most successful. But I think at this point in my life, I can't I can't switch out of I can't switch out of this mode. I can't all of a sudden be like, hey, screw this. I'm gonna do whatever I want. F you. See you never. No, I don't think I can do that at this at this point. So anyways, uh, we're gonna get to the guests in one sec because we got a heck of a guest. Oh, I told you guys a lot about this last week and I just I couldn't have been more excited to talk to this gentleman. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what he means to me and the history uh, of the show that he's he's been on that kind of skyrocketed him to fame in a certain sense. So we're going to do this. It's like a 34 minute interview. And then afterwards, I'm going to come back and talk some pop culture stories. I want to talk about Kim Kardashian signing up for a new TV series. I want to talk about the movie May, December that just hit Netflix with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. 
Portman that uh, obviously will be in the Oscars race this year. A really interesting film with some amazing performances and then a couple of other pop culture stories that I want to talk about and some things I want to share with you. So that'll be on the flip side of this interview. Remember, there are timestamps. If you want to skip to the interview right now, great. If you want to skip to the pop culture stories and start there, listen to this show however you want to listen to this show. All I ask is that if you do like it, if this does mean a little something to you or your day, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and actually sometimes take the time to write something. You know, I find out, uh, I find, and this kind of makes sense, the people that usually write, like, people give it a five-star review, but the people who actually take time to write are usually the people that are upset with you in some way. They're like, he did it finally. He said something that I find so disgusting, I will put pen to paper on an iTunes review. So if you do like it, consider writing something. Uh, I think that always, you know, consider that my Christmas gift. You Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer, and I gotta tell you that the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, also, patreon.com forward slash so bad. It's good as our Patreon group. Hello, baddies. We uh, I just did an update over the weekend. We did a live Patreon show last week. I will be doing a Kardashians recap episode of this season because the season finale was this past Thursday, and I've got to talk extensively about it. Um, that's going to be over there. We'll be doing a live holiday show. We'll be mailing out holiday cards for the Patreon uh, in uh, a week and a half as well. So we got a lot of stuff going on over there, just a lot of stuff going on. But I hope you are hanging in there. Um, and let's talk about our guest. Our guest today is the one and only Mike, the situation Sorrentino from the show Jersey Shore and the current iteration of that show, Jersey Shore Family Vacation. Now, if you've listened to this show from the beginning, I I think I even potentially talked about Jersey Shore in the first episode of this uh, of this podcast. Now, Jersey Shore, I mean, it's really interesting. We're talking on December 5th, 2023. Jersey Shore premiered on December 3rd, 2009. December 3rd, 2009 on MTV, this show premiered. And I think a lot of us 
who watched Jersey Shore will always remember the first time they watched Jersey Shore. Now, at that point, I had been exposed to a lot of different reality television series, even on MTV. I mean, they had Real World, Challenge, all that stuff was already in full bloom. I believe Teen Mom was already on back then, right? Teen Mom was, yeah, Teen Mom was definitely on back then. But I remember watching it with my ex, and I remember we had come home from a holiday party, if I'm not mistaken, and I was a little tipsy, and we were watching it. I, I, I TiVo'd it. Yeah, remember TiVo? I TiVo'd it. Because I was like, this looks interesting. And I remember watching it and it was hour long episodes. And I just remember turning to my ex and going, oh my God, this is like, this is good. This is funny and it's good. And I've always said, and I think the housewives and different Bravo iterations do this as well. The, 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 the thing about reality shows, there's a lot of elements that make a reality show successful, right? A charming cast, of course. But what I think it really, when it really takes off is when you, it kind of uh, zooms in on a certain group of people, you know, like it takes you behind the curtain and says, okay, we're going to focus on bartenders in West Hollywood, right? It zooms you in on this life where you're like, well, I've, I don't even know what it's like to work at a bar in West Hollywood or married to medicine. I don't know what it's like to be a doctor. I don't know what it's like to be a woman or, you know, there's so many different things like below deck. Oh, it, it takes you on a yacht. I get to see what the crew of a yacht does. And those things, when you zoom in on them, it's fascinating because we learn something, but I think at the at the same time, what we realize, though, is that we essentially, as humanity, we, we all are connected. Is that, oh yeah, this is wild, right? Like, it's so different. Jim Tan Laundry, I mean, God, Polly D takes 25 minutes on his hair. What? I don't do that. But at the same time, then you realize these core elements of family, humanity, of, of uh, connection, of romance, of being a douchey guy, all of these things that you're like, oh, I do know that. I do know that. And you realize how connected essentially we all are. But Jersey Shore, when it premiered, it really, it took us, you know, behind the scenes of, you know, quote unquote, the Guidos, the, the Guidettes, but a portrayal of Italian Americans. And, um, you know, they always said that this potentially, per, you know, kind of perpetuated stereotypes. But at the same time, the cast of Jersey Shore were proud Italians. They were proud Guido and Guidettes. I mean, this just, I mean, they were all about the protein powder and the tanning and the laundry and the, like the, the Ron Ron juice and the going out to Club Karma and fist pump and all of that stuff. And I just remember going, this is really unique. And I loved it. And I, I know a lot of us fell in love with this show. And it hit. I mean, it was a pop culture phenomenon. This show, in its initial iteration, only lasted from December 3rd, 2009 to December 20th, 2012. Four years. Four years. And it just pretty much just basic plot line was eight housemates at a vacation home in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. That's that's the whole storyline. But we met so many fascinating characters. Snooky, Wow, Ronnie, I mean, you know, like Polly D, Vinny, um, Angelina. I, I mean, there so many amazing characters that actually were real people were in this show. And I just remember it, it. I loved it so dearly. I have all of the seasons on DVD. Yeah, 
I used to buy, I had, I had a DVD problem. I used to buy a lot of DVDs, but I had all of them, you guys. And in fact, I even get to show Mike the Situation, my Mike the Situation Sorrentino holiday ornament. I have a box of pop culture holiday ornaments, and I bought Snooky, Polly D, and Mike the Situation. And I have these Christmas tree ornaments that I bought on the first season of Jersey Shore because all of a sudden they started putting their face on everything. So the reason I get to talk to Mike the Situation today is because he has a new book that comes out December 19th, which I think if you are a reality show lover, you will love this book. And uh, it's called Reality Check, Making the Best of the Situation, How I Overcame Addiction, Loss, and Prison. And it is, uh, it's a really good book. It's a fast read. I read it with my own eyes. I didn't, I didn't listen to this on audiobook, audiobook. I read it with my own eyes in preparation of this, as well as I went back and watched uh, most of the first season of Jersey Shore. And that was like, I was just planning on watching the first episode, but I just got into it and I was like, I'm loving this. Um, can you believe I get to do this, you guys? This is, I get to call this a job? But I had so many memories. Isn't that the other cool thing about pop culture is it's, you know, we talk about this with music being the soundtrack of our lives. But for me, a lot of reality television is the soundtrack of my life. I remember where I was, what I was going through, who I was with, what, you know, like I remember that becomes like it's visceral, the response I had to some of these episodes. But also what blows me away about this book is that Mr. Mr. Situation, he's kind of really completely honest. In fact, so honest that I was like, this might be too honest. I didn't realize, I knew about his, uh, that he had problems with drug addiction that what, you know, initially weren't covered on the show. You knew he was going through something, especially in the, I believe when they went to Italy that season, which had the iconic meme that we still meme of him in the neck brace, but you get to hear the stories behind that and how, uh, and how addicted he was to pills. And this story, and we talk about it in this interview, it really does come off like this movie. Because all of a sudden, this guy, growing up, growing up in Staten Island area, and thinking that he's meant to be somebody, but doesn't know how that's possibly going to happen. And so he starts working out, putting all this work into his body and his abs. And he initially was called Mikey Abs. Before Mike, the situation, Sorrentino, actually, you know, the situation became the character. And it was really interesting to hear about, you know, him being a low-level drug dealer, him being a male stripper at one point. You know, always this really intense Italian family, a strong family with his brothers and his sister, but, uh, you know, really wanting more for himself, but not exactly sure how that was going to happen, you know, and... uh he then discovers modeling, you know, in his abs. He would take off his shirt and bam. And then all of a sudden there was a casting call for a VH1 reality series that ended up being the MTV show. But, uh, you know, he was like, oh, oh my God, that's it. I'm going to be a star then. This is how they'll build this cast around me because one thing we know about Mike is that he uh, he is full of belief in himself and a lot of confidence Even, you know, who knows even how true and real that confidence is, but he leads with it. He led with it in that show. But what was interesting is, you know, he he did mess around with pills before the show and when he was dealing because he didn't like uppers. He wasn't an upper guy. It would make him paranoid and freaked out. And uh, then he got, you know, 
you know, he stopped with the pills, but he was still, you know, and he wasn't a big drinker either, but he, you know, he would still drink, do other things, do other recreational activities, but stayed away from pills until after uh, the first season, I believe, of the Jersey Shore, if I'm, you know, like, or it started around that time. But it's so fascinating because the book details how he would have to sneak in pills. He would have to crush him up and put him in like protein powder, you guys, because MTV security would search all of their bags before they went into the house for the season. And they knew Mike was sneaky. They knew he was sneaking things. And so they, they even had more of a spotlight on him. And then the show gets so huge, he's making money hand over fist. He's getting club gigs. He's going overseas, having to find pills over there, having to like, so he doesn't actually have to go into detox and get like insanely sick. I mean, this story, it was wild because it it also points out this thing, this concept I always talk about is the reality of the reality. We see this reality show and the show that the producers are trying to tell. And also by the second season, you know, Mike is probably fully realizing and knowing what works. I'm going to turn on the charm, going to show the abs, going to say something fun in the uh, talking head, and we'll call it a day. But Mike was actively struggling with a drug addiction, like actively struggling where he was having to get his buddy to come. Like they had code words to get drugs in the house or to try to find it. There were so many times he was close to getting caught. I mean, I, and just to think this whole time, I I, I watched the show. I, I thought the show, you know, like to me, the, I, God, this would have been the reality show I really would have even more intensely loved to see. But I find it fascinating in retrospect what he was actually going through. Um, I do want to say about this interview, we talk mainly about the book and about, you know, his drug addiction, him going into jail for tax evasion charges. You know, we get to talk a little bit about the cast, but my God, I hope to talk to him again one day so we can just do a full Jersey Shore conversation because, God, I would love to talk to all of those cast members. But it is also interesting, his life story, because we see the rise and then we see the fall because Jersey Shore was a hit. But like I said, it lasted four years. And then he was like, what, what now? You know, there, there was talk of MTV doing a Sorrentino uh, reality show around his family. That didn't pan out. You know, he was like getting little club gigs still here and there, but he was buying himself Lamborghinis and Ferraris, like two cars after every season ended. As much as he was making, and he was one of the highest paid reality television stars during that time in history, made like $5 million per year which is unheard of for a reality television star, but he also wasn't paying his taxes. He was also evading things. And he didn't really fully even wasn't aware because he wasn't in charge of his business. He did hire his business manager and and things of that nature, you know, and he does take full responsibility for that, but he wasn't actively going like, ah, you know, he just thought the money's always going to keep rolling in. We're going to deal with that down the line. But then everything kind of collapsed all of a sudden you know, he was this flash in the plan, the flash in the pan, and his 15 minutes were up. A lot of people would argue, even himself. And he went through struggling, and he was also deeply addicted at that time. And so he had to sell off all the cars. And also, we talk about the love of his wife, Lauren Pesci, who they now have two kids with one on the way. And just, I mean, I, I just tell him at the end, I, I said, I can't believe that Mike, the situation Sorrentino, is going to be a father of three with a beautiful house, a beautiful wife. And a different lease on life. Somebody that that does 
say 30 positive affirmations every day. The book, by the way, starts off with three pages of positive affirmations, which I actually geek out on. Um, and I just thought that's amazing because we usually, in terms of pop culture, we see the story of the rise and the fall and that's it. But it was the rise, the fall. He finally went to, I believe, his fourth rehab and got clean and sober. And just little by little, each day, just tried to stay positive, tried to stay in that right mind frame, just one foot in front of the other. And it wasn't put one foot in the front of the other so he can get back on TV. It was just to have a good life and to be a person that he can be proud of and that other people can be proud of as a family member and a friend. And, uh, you know, put, put his, uh, put his womanly, his womanly, uh, you know, hooking up with women days behind him. He was committed to one woman. And by the way, that's the other thing, the stories with the women. Whoa. And I love talking to, to Mr. Situation because he's just really, even in the conversation, he's like, oh my God, like every night was at least a threesome, at least. And he's not, he's just point blank telling me, he's not even trying to be like, how do you like that? It's just like, no, that's how it was. And I mean, it's really, really fascinating slash opening. And I just uh, blown away by that. So what's interesting though, is to see then doing all of these things. And then, you know, he was multiple years getting sentenced for this tax evasion and going back and forth with the, uh, the government on, you know, how he should be charged. What are the actual charges getting charges reduced, but he, he, you know, he faced the music, but around that same time, MTV started with Jersey shore family vacation enough time had passed where the interest was in, you know, the interest was there for this cast again. And, uh, they filmed the first season of that and it was a huge hit. And then he got sentenced and it was eight months in prison. He was hoping for, uh, you know, he was hoping for, uh, parole or, you know, like home arrest or, you know, one of those kind of things, but he actually did serve the time. And even the prison stories in here are fascinating with what he, you know, what he did and, and what, you know, what it was like and getting through it and getting back in shape. He had the prison glow up, you guys, which I've talked about multiple times. I love when a celebrity goes into prison and they get the prison glow up. It's really, I mean, it really is interesting, but even those stories are kind of weirdly amazing. It really is. And it really is nice to think of, uh, think of where he's at right now, because the guy that we met initially by the end of the initial run of Jersey Shore, kind of like a villain, a villain that we loved, but a, a little bit of a reality show villain in a sense, antagonizing in a sense, but really flippin' funny. And now I kind of think of him as one of those reality show heroes. And we talk about this in the interview, but I just want to point out, I bring this concept up and I brought it, I think, last up with Carl Radke <laughs> before I knew about any of the Lindsay stuff. And I said, listen, man, it's really great to actually have a person have a redemption arc where they see a problem in their lives. For Carl, it was alcohol. And to see to see somebody do something about it and succeed and to do because you know how hard it is to do the right thing. And especially when drugs and alcohol are involved. Because it's a mental addiction, but it's also a physical addiction. And I think as humans, we always chase, you know, obviously a lot of us chase pleasure over pain any day of the week. You're like, hey, would you like to be violently ill for a week or would you like to feel good? I'm usually going to pick feel good. But I also thought it's just really hard to be a good person. It really is, especially if you're a guy, because we are just dummies, I would say, 70% of our lives. 
But for somebody to actively go, I don't want to be this person anymore, and I'm going to go through a lot of pain, and I'm going to have to take the long road out of here, but they did it. He did it. And I think that's just so interesting to point out. You know, I was also thinking about Sandoval in terms of, you know, they're all all saying that he's having a mini redemption arc on season 11 of Vanderpump Rules. And we'll see, you know, we'll and we'll see if he earns that. But I think, Mike, the situation Sorrentino has earned it. And I think his book, if you are a reality show lover or a pop culture lover, you will really be fascinated by this story. We also talk about this this book potentially being turned into a movie. And after I read it, I was like, this totally could be a movie. I mean, there are so many intense scenes of him trying to get through like TSA in a foreign country with a bunch of drugs on his person. I mean, that is gripping. Because I thought it was going to be all these stories of like, just like, oh, on season one, episode three of Jersey Shore. No, it's all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And it, it just kind of fills out this picture entirely for me about uh, about him. And I think uh, I just thought it was fascinating. I could have talked to this guy for hours. And it's great because you can hear how excited I am to talk to this man. Oh, you guys, I knew about this interview. I, I'd want to interview him for so long. And uh, thankfully, Betches, uh, thank you to Allie, who hooked this interview up over at Betches. Allie Friedlander killed it because I said, he has a book coming out. Can we get it? And she got him. And I was so thankful for this. And I really do think I will talk to Mr. Situation again. I hope this book does good because I think this guy's got another book in him. And I'm really interested to see what that's going to be as well. Um, But there are adult themes in this interview. So I just want to point that out as well. Um, and, uh, also I said, uh, just about 15 minutes ago that I would come back afterwards and talk about May, December, Kardashians, all of that stuff. Since I went so long in this intro, who knows who, how did I go? So I never do that you guys, but since I did, I'm going to save that for Wednesday's episode. We're going to do five episodes this week. I've got another interview on uh, Wednesday that it lasts about 25 minutes. And then I'll do those pop culture stories after that. And then Thursday and Friday, we got the Salt Lake recap and the Beverly Hills recap. So it is a full week of so bad. It's good. But I am just so excited for you to hear this interview. I can't wait to hear what you think. And it's great, too, because in interviewing anybody, he doesn't know me, right? He doesn't know me at all. And all of a sudden, he sees some goofy guy with his wide-eyed grin going like, oh, my God, it's a situation. And so it's great to kind of do that little dance. And, you know, somebody like Mike, he's done interviews at the Wazoo from the first day in 2009 of Jersey Shore until now. And so it's interesting to try to get past that standard interview. And I think we got there eventually, but I was just so thrilled to speak with him. And uh, I, I follow him on Instagram. And that's another thing, just to look at his life and to look at his his family. You know, just a beautiful, beautiful family. And I just point out again, I just like can't believe that that guy I watched on December Third, 2009, that guy that we first met is now sitting there. I'm talking to him. There's a Christmas tree in the background of his house. You know, he's he's thinking thoughtfully about questions. Oh, also, the other funny thing that I, I asked him in this that I keep thinking about is that I, I said, do you, do you have any bad days, Mike? Do you, do you ever uh, have a day where you're like kind of just down? Because you guys know I have a lot of down days. I suffer from, you know, like I do, I get depressed uh, uh, a lot. And sometimes I just have these down days. And I, I you know, asked Mike and I kind of already knew the answer, 
But I wanted to, I wanted to ask, do you have any down days? And he thought it'd be like, no, you know what? I, I, uh, no, not really. No, maybe a second, maybe a second there. You know, and I was like, that's great. And it's honest because I truly believe he's one of those people that just sees what's in front of him and goes. And just, uh, you know, some of us, all of our minds work differently, right? Like I'm saddled with this thing that I feel very deeply about everything. I'm very sensitive, empathy, all of this, all that BS. But it's like, it's sometimes one of the biggest roadblocks in my life. But it's so nice to hear somebody be honest and go, you know what? I don't really, no, I just, I, I, I just, I push forward. I know what I have to do. I see, you know, and I just thought, I love that this world has all kinds of people. Um, and the only other thing that I didn't get to ask, and if we had had a little bit more time, I probably would have gotten there. I wanted to ask if there was anything that he regrets in terms of what was shown on the show. You know, and I think... I think he would probably say, no, I don't have regrets because it led me to where I am right now. If I'm thinking in the way that Mike, the situation Sorrentino talks, because I was thinking about like the grenades and thinking about how, you know, like you'd bring home women to the, the, the shore house and they would be like, oh, you taking the grenade? Are you taking it? And I wonder if ever, and especially having a daughter and married to his beautiful wife, I sometimes wonder how he looks back on those times. And what he thinks of that now. And we didn't get there because we were having a really positive conversation. Not that I think that's negative, but I would have loved to have heard his take on that now as opposed to 2009. And that's the other thing, too, is that after a long time passes, that's the thought I keep thinking is that do we let people do we let people grow? You know, do, do, do you guys at home, like, you know, if you make up your mind about somebody, some, somebody is your mind changed for the rest of your life about them? Or do you actually see growth in other people and accept that? Or do you stay in that place of like, ah, that person's a D bag until they, you know, like, do you, you know what I'm saying? I, I think about that a lot lately is how we feel about people. And do we allow people to actually grow and, and, and we get our feelings changed about them. I don't know. Just thoughts, just big thoughts on a Tuesday, you guys. Um, okay. I'm so excited for you to hear this. You're like, dude, just play the interview already. The book, like I said, and I'll say many times in this interview, reality check, uh, out on December 19th. You can order it on Amazon right now, or always just go into a bookstore and, and buy it there as well. Remember, shop small local bookstores, and we want to keep them in business as well. But I think this is just, it was a great read. I read it in, I read the first, uh, the first like 35 pages uh, over Thanksgiving, and then got busy with uh, my dad and family stuff. And then, uh, then just finished the rest of it all all in an afternoon. Just stayed reading. It had been a long time since I had done that where I just didn't want to put it down. And uh, I think that's that's very telling. So uh, sorry I'm not going to come back afterwards and do the rest of those pop culture stories. Want to make this episode just about an hour 10, not the two to three hour extravaganzas, extravaganzas we've been doing lately. But I'll come back with all of those stories because I want to talk to you about that May-December movie. Want to talk to you about the Kardashians. Want to talk to you about a lot of other things. So we'll do that on Wednesday's episode. And here he is for the first time and hopefully not the last on So Bad It's Good. Mike, the situation, Sorrentino. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. 
but you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. Today is a banner day for this show. I wrote down on a slip of paper four years ago my dream guest, and this man was on it. Uh, he is a brother, a husband, a father, and a friend. He goes by a lot of names. You might know him as the situation, but also Big Daddy Sitch, the mediation, the investigation, Mikey Abs, the blessification, the motivation. But now I'm going to call him the inspiration after reading his new book. And we can also call him an author. His new book is out this December 19th. It's the perfect holiday gift for your pop culture obsessed friends and family. It is called Reality Check, Making the Best of the Situation. How how I Overcame Addiction, Loss, and Prison. Mike, the Situation Sorrentino, welcome to the show. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. Feels like the first time every time. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I got to say, I read this book in two sittings, and I usually just watch reality television now and don't read books. This thing is an adventure. Yes, it is. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I thought it was time to share the story of the situation that uh, people didn't know. You know, I've been on TV for the past uh, 15 years. My life has been a TV show, but um, I didn't think that they knew exactly uh, the situation. So it was time to sort of uh, write an amazing uh, book that I call my masterpiece. I mean, it really is. Your life has kind of turned into this kind of rags to like fiscal riches to rags to actually spiritual riches because you know what you have gone through and what this this book really did read like the last scenes from goodfellas at times where you were just on the run ditching mtv crews going overseas i mean i didn't realize the intensity of the struggle that you went through these last 14 years yeah i i was a uh what's called a legendary savage um i don't <laughs> think i don't think that people are going to uh, understand until they read this book. This book is is going to entertain. It's going to shock. It's a page turner. You don't want to put the book down. Um, and like you said, it is like an adventure. But at the end of the day, it's going to inspire people because I describe uh, and articulate in there how um, I recovered from uh, from addiction and, and a ton of other obstacles. I mean, you re you really did. And I was just kind of shocked at how honest you were. Was there any trepidation about being this honest? I mean, even you were all over the news this week in the book, you reveal you had kind of almost spent a half a million dollars potentially on drugs over the course of time. You actually served your prison sentence. You did all of these things, but you are completely honest in this book. Did you ever think, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be this honest? I mean, well, I, I, we, we had uh, more than one lawyer <laughs> actually <read them>. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that we were allowed to print uh, everything. Um, I, I wanted to be really honest because um, I just felt that I wanted to be accurate for the story. I wanted to be accurate for people that are also suffering from addiction. 
Uh, but also it was very delicate because currently right now I'm a father, I'm a husband. Uh, those those are my biggest flexes. So uh, I had to be very careful how I described my life as a younger man, but also be true to the story. And I think I I, I, I rode that fine line and, and, and did a great job at storytelling. And I'm telling you, man, I'm telling everybody this week that I'm doing press. It's going to be a movie. There's, this, there's not Dude, a wilder, exact, yes. there's a wilder story than – I think this is wilder than Wolf on Wall Street, and I love Mike, that. I w- Dude, that's what I was thinking. Like your your trip to Australia, your trip to like these overseas club appearances. You're getting on the plane. You're trying to get prescriptions. I mean, you're like sneaking like into like all toy tin cans to try to get past MTV security. That thing, I just kept thinking, this is a movie. I I mean, yeah. it was like a nonstop movie. I do want to think. I do want to say also, he starts off the book uh, a wild younger man, and one of his first jobs, he even admits, was a male stripper until you got in trouble for potentially giving a lap dance to one of your mom friends yes uh <laughs> i did uh that was my last night stripping um it's really <laughs> funny, uh that it just ironically turned out to be uh one of my mom's friends and when i came home she was awaiting for me with an umbrella in hand and if anybody uh, has had an italian mom or, or or even a mom in uh you know the 90s um, you know that they either had the wooden spoon or maybe the umbrella or, or whatever they can grab handy. Um, and But but again, that was my last night stripping. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you start off the book with like three pages of inspirational phrases. And we are so uh, now used to you saying the comeback is greater than the setback. I and I love starting those first three pages like that because I've actually read those the past couple of times to kind of pump me up this week. Um, yeah. You do live your life by that. But for a time when you were coming out of addiction and putting your life together piece by piece, which the book really covers as well, did it take you a while to actually believe in the things that you were saying, like the comeback is greater than the setback? Uh, probably. Um, I, I mean, early on, um, when I first, what's called surrender, that's when you really give up. I'm like, listen, my, my, my best thinking has led me to destruction, had led me to letting the millions in my dreams slip through my fingers. So once I had uh, surrendered and said, all right, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, I think the first thing that I absorbed was that obviously my way was not working and that I needed all hands on deck. But also I think was the uh, the serenity prayer. Uh, and I don't know if, if anybody d- doesn't know what that is. It, it makes sense whether you're in recovery or not. And it just says, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That was really the first quote or first prayer that I really fell in love with. And again, you don't have to be in recovery uh, to, to fall in love with that that phrase. It, it's pretty much telling you right now uh, to uh, you can only change the things that you can, you know, and, yeah. and the things that you can't, you got to let go and let God handle the rest. I mean – to think I was watching you December 3rd of 2009 when Jersey Shore premiered and to to hear that person that I watched that oh, first yeah. night and to, oh, to, yeah. to see this person now yeah. giving me the serenity prayer. Crazy. I mean, that is called that's called growth. And I, yes. I tell the audience, there's only a handful of examples in reality television where we actually get to see a redemption arc. You are the person that has actually walked the walk and talked the talk and how we saw you in those initial Jersey Shore seasons we would never expect to see the mic that we do today. Yeah, um, I was like, like, you, like you said, I was probably one of the wildest um, kids that, or younger men that you would see on TV. Um, 
but uh, again, I had always had that, um, that attitude that if you told me not to do it, I did it twice and I took pictures. Um, eventually, <laughs> I, eventually I would learn that that attitude is a, is an all or nothing attitude. Um, and, um, I would eventually have to fine tune and redirect that energy for only positive in order to survive. Uh, and that is now my superpower. But early on as a young man, it almost killed me. Yeah. I mean, you really did survive the sometimes unsurvivable. And we had no clue as an audience what you were actually going through. So to get this peek that the book gives us into of what you were like, I mean, that was blowing me away of they would search your bags going into a season of Jersey Shore and you were putting it in like protein powder things. You were making it powder and you were setting yourself up or you would have the unit or something sneak you in things. And your code word was like, bring the girls to the club. That blew my mind. Yeah, um, every season, which is so crazy to that you guys, I'm starting to reveal um, the real situation. I guess um, that every season was like Mission Impossible to go into uh, season one or two or three or four or five. Everyone was different, uh, different states, countries, locations, houses. I had to get through multiple security protocols by TSA, uh, MTV, the producers. Um, and to be honest with you, ironically, if you read the book, I am successful. Uh, yeah. Obviously, obviously <laughs> not too successful because that behavior <laughs> would end up landing me in prison. But you kind of see the trajectory of the defiance to authority eventually uh, meet up with Uncle Sam. And eventually I had to do prison time eventually. And as Vinny says in the book, you handled that sentencing like a G. And even you talk about that in the book is that you sat there, you heard it, you did not flinch, you accepted it, even though you were hoping to just get, you know, not jail time, but probation, yeah. but you accepted it. And you really did have that mentality at that point of, I want to make things right. You immediately paid your restitution and you went in and served your time. And you, you had this prison glow up where you came out ripped again, you were yeah, working yeah. out. I mean, and you guys, he tells in the book, you were in there for a little bit with Billy McFarlane from Firefest, yeah. with Michael Cohen, Trump's ex-lawyer. Yeah. I mean, you had a crew around you. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. This is the part of the movie I want to see, too, is Mike yeah, I, in I, the prison. I could, probably write, I could probably write a book just or a movie just on the a sitcom, just on the on the prison, uh, you know, span or whatever. But um, it is it is a crazy tale, man. Um, I'm happy to tell it. I'm very proud to be able to articulate this book and, and be really proud of it. it it's been about two years. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I just believe everybody's going to love it, man. It's uh, My oh, first review I- have been amazing. So. Man, I, I burned through this book. It really did just like fly for me. And I wanted more. Like I really, I wanted, I was like, oh my God, I got to talk to this guy for 10 hours because there are so many little moments that I just blew me away as being a fan from this show since the beginning and watching the rise and fall and rise again. And most people don't do that. This is a huge week for you. You are celebrating today eight years of sobriety. And then on the third, like I said, is the 14th anniversary of the premiere of Jersey Shore, which took your life into all of these directions that we talk about in the book. Can you explain what eight years of sobriety means to you? Oh, God, man, you almost uh, I really put the work in. So you're almost going to make me uh, tear up. But uh, do it. Do it. Cry. Cry. uh, If I can make Pike cry, that'd be amazing. (laughs) But uh, my biggest flex is being a sober and a successful dad. You know, I really put the work in um, and um, 
you know, I feel I, I, I always, you know, I used to pray that uh, maybe one day my life story would be someone's survival guide. And I believe after writing this book now, now it will be. Um, and, and it's not, it's definitely not a dull book either. I mean, you are, you know, there's twists, there's turns, there's chases. It's more like an action movie than anything, yes. anything else. Um, <laughs> but, uh, sobriety has, um, I, I've been really lucky in life. You know, sobriety has taught me a different way to live. Um, and I'm living my best life right now and teaching others to do the same. I feel that it's so important that my life had been spared, to be honest with you. Many times in that book, my life was on the line, but my life was spared so that I can tell my story. Such a crazy tale. Um, it's, it, it, this book is going to entertain, but inspire and save millions. I really do, because you do talk about the ones that we lost along the way as well. I would also like to counter that this is an action book, but it's also a romance story. Uh, you talk about your your wife. You says, you know, uh, the person who has the single biggest impact on my life, bar none, it's where I made the acquaintance at college at, of one Lauren Elizabeth Pesci, my future wife, best friend, mother of my children and better half, a woman who went on to fight for me when I wouldn't fight for yep. myself, someone who showed me the meaning of life, of living your best life, who ignited a flame in me to be a better man and inspired me to fight some of life's tough, toughest battles with integrity, honor, and faith. Um, Damn, she I'm really did. Up. I'm she did stand up. by your side, dude. Like she stood yeah, by your side. And yeah, my, you know, um, it's real, man. That's why this book is so good because um, everything is so raw and unfiltered. But my wife, um, she inspired, inspired me early on, even when we were dating in college, she inspired me to go after my dreams when she went uh, after her dreams and she went into the fashion world. And that's why I really ended up in TV because I didn't want to really be, be left behind. Uh, and, and also she made the decision in our relationship not to get back together during the Jersey Shore years. I wanted to get back with her. I just got this big chance and this big contract from MTV, this unknown reality show. And she's like, uh, 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 not so fast. Uh, and, you know, she's like, we'll never last. Um, she's like, either get back with me or you can go on the show. And I'm like, listen, I have to go for my dreams. So I did go on the show. We did not get back together. We probably wouldn't have lasted. Uh, and she was 100% right. Um, and then obviously when we re reconnected later in 2013, she was the missing piece to the puzzle. She was the one to inspire me to uh, not even be – but find that person inside of me, find that flame and, and continue to rise above and be better. And because I, I what I really wanted um, was to have a family. I wanted the kids. I wanted that Italian family. That was for me. That was the end goal. You know what I mean? And that and, and when you read the book of all the, the trials and tribulations and the, the tough times and the, the sacrifice and all of the pain, it's all worth it when you get to the end of the book and you and you have the beautiful family and the kids and you're back uh, on the top of the reality TV mountain, um, you know, getting paid and, and killing the game and, and such. So, I mean, that's what I see. Like I was going through your Instagram last night and I was looking at this beautiful family. You have two kids with a third on the way and you yeah. even talk about the struggles to start your family and even about sharing that when you got back to Jersey Shore family vacation of actually sharing that with the audience, which is was so important to see those struggles that a lot of us have who aren't on reality television. But it is interesting to look at this and it is kind of this perfect dream that once again, when I watched that man, December 3rd of 2009, I would have never thought I would be looking at his Instagram 14 years later with a beautiful family and Lauren you guys he points out 
Remember, Jersey Shore all went away for a time. You had all these fancy cars, you had all this money, and things crashed hard. And she stood by you. You had a two-bedroom apartment, yeah. you know, and she st- stayed with you through all of this. And I just thought, how amazing during that time of you were at the highest highs. You were one of the biggest celebrities in reality television and all of pop culture. You had Leo DiCaprio coming up to you at a nightclub going, GTL all day, baby. Like you had everything and then you lost it all, but then you gained everything in return. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to in this book. Yeah, um, it's 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 an amazing, beautiful story. Uh, a rise and fall and rise again. Um, they say you're not a true hustler until you lose everything and gain it all back again. That's a, a cool quote. But um, I really did work really hard. Uh, I really put the work in, um, and I, I led with integrity, grace, and class throughout the whole time. Um, I continued to challenge myself year after year, uh, whether it was on reality TV, whether it was in front of the world, whether I was in court, whether I was in prison. Um, I kept fighting for what I thought was important in life. And what I thought was important was family, was my relationship to God, experience, being a better man. And I, I found that man inside of me. I wrote this book um, and, and, and I, I spared no detail. Um, and, and, I, and again, I feel that... Um, you know, everyone has, has really been loving this book and yeah. it feels amazing that everyone does because I put a lot of hard work in it. It's my masterpiece. So, um, uh, uh well, yeah. good right now. There's a, a great part in the book that I think about your life could completely change where your dad was going to force you to go into the military if you didn't make something happen. And that's when you kind of discovered modeling a little bit, which led you to the casting call, which I think was an, initially a VH1 show that turned out to be Jersey Shore. But it seems like even with all of the problems, you still had this, I don't know if it was a core belief in yourself, but you thought always you were meant for greater things. Yes. Um I, I definitely, if I was to see my younger self um, and speak to him, I would, uh, I would definitely shake his hands. Although he's made a, m- a lot of mistakes, I, I, I would definitely shake that man's hand because he had an unwavering self confidence, and he went for his dreams. When a lot of people would be scared, they would procrastinate, uh, they would cower down. I took the hell Mary um, and 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 saw it through. Um, you know, and, and eventually turned the 15 minutes of fame into 15 years. Um, you know, we, ha- I've had everything from ab creams to bobble. <laughs> I got Christmas ornaments of the situation. Oh, 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 uh, Mike, are you talking about this? Right. I got this the first season of Jersey shore. I'm showing Mike, my, I have Snooky. I have DJ Polly D. Yeah. I bought all of these cause I thought they were hysterical and I was such a fan of the show. And here we are 14 years later. I get to show Mike his own Christmas yeah, ornament, but amazing. they're on my Christmas tree now. Do you know, um, which is the sweetest thing ever is, is today. My, my son's uh, two and a half. When he walks by the Christmas tree, he picks up that ornament and he says, Daddy. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing better than that. There isn't all the pain, uh, the sacrifice, the prison time, um, the, the the times of almost giving up. I mean, I obviously never gave up, and that's the, what I preach in the book. Um, it's all worth it now to, to have the family, the two kids, the one on the way. Uh, to continue to challenge myself to become a better person uh, in sobriety, family, and and, and life. So uh, that's the best. You are a father to a son. And if your son grows up to be the situation part two, how will you handle him knowing that the road that you went down? 
Yeah, I'd have to sit the duplication down. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to sit him down and I'd have to explain the pitfalls of, of uh, being a celebrity and, and, and money um and 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 but i would support my son in whatever he would do i mean he's right now my son romeo he's verified on instagram and has almost <laughs> 5000 followers so i mean you know uh, i definitely would have to you know have a talk with him i wonder if the abs are genetic i wonder if he'll have like a 10 pack or something yeah he might he might yeah he's very very thin he's very thin and he has a small <laughs> waist so it's a very big possibility <laughs> Can you speak to the friendships from the Jersey Shore cast? Because they had a certain opinion of you from that first run of shows. And, you you know, you guys lost touch a little bit. And then you came together to shoot a commercial. The magic was still there. And there was actually kind of this touching moment that I don't think it was. But you said you were worried. I think it was like a, you had a, a cooking show or you were offered to be on World's Worst Cooks with your wife. And you were like, I don't know if I still have it. I don't know if I still got it. And I yeah. thought that was interesting. It was one of the only moments in the book where you almost kind of like seemed a little shaky about returning back to television. And then you talk about your cast meeting the new Mike. What was that all experience like of of a new Mike and being worried how your cast members were going to respond to him? Um, early on when I got uh, Worst Cooks, I was early in sobriety and I had found peace. Um, and that's something that money can't buy. And I had found that from putting the work in. Um, but I, what I also found was that uh, you have to continually challenge yourself in life. Um, and I needed to continue to feed my family and my, my job, my profession is being a reality TV star. So I kept getting offers here and there from different networks and I had to, I had to, um, take them or, or find another occupation. So I decided to con obviously continue to do that because I did love what I did. I just had to find a different version of myself. Um, and, in which I, I did accept that challenge. Um, and I was happy, but when I finally, uh, went and saw my castmates I, that was a little further down the line i had more sobriety under my belt i was really put in in the work despite the obstacles despite facing you know uh, the government coming after me for millions and trying to put me in prison i was uh, i had that peace amongst the storm so i was excited to um reveal this new uh situation to my roommates because i really was putting in the work in, in recovery um, and there's a phrase called by, uh, attraction, not promotion. Um, and I had, I had adopted the 12 steps, adopted the serenity prayer, but I had added onto it my own flavor and the gym tan laundry and the dieting. So I, I didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I made it into my own. So I was excited for my friends to meet this new version of myself. Um, cause a lot of people, even the haters and the naysayers, uh, you can't be sober. You can't contribute to a, a popular show. You're not going to be funny anymore. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be good in front of the camera. So I had a lot of people I had to prove wrong as well. Do you still ever have down days? Do you, I mean, or are you always like, I am positive from the morning I get up. I mean, did you ever, does the situation ever get down? And what do you do if you do to get out of that at this point? Uh, you're like, no. <laughs> rarely, rarely. Uh, I have put in so much work. I mean, I have faced the devil um, and remained positive. I have faced yeah. prison time. I have faced miscarriage. I have faced uh, my son in the NICU. Once uh, uh, an emergency situation happens, I'll be honest with you, I start to go into 
uh, almost like a crisis. I, I become like a crisis management specialist because uh, I'm so used to being uh, in 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 the fire, so to speak. Um, and I, I'm, I'm more about the uh, being about the solution than the problem. So to be honest with you, I, I don't have I really don't have bad days. I'm, I'm constantly working on myself, trying to be a better person, staying busy, achieving. After I'm done writing this book and doing a press tour, then I'll have another challenge to to challenge myself. Um, so I have I have found the secret uh, to being a better man and the blueprint for living your best life. And now I'm teaching others to do the same. Yeah, I need you to be my life coach. My God, you actually, you say your job's a reality television star, but I also want to say you do work in recovery and you work with other people that are going through recovery. I mean, that is something that seems like it is a part of your daily existence now as well. And can you speak to that of giving back so much after you kind of were portrayed earlier on in the seasons as potentially selfish? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know what? I always like to take on a good challenge. I always like to face insurmountable odds and, and, and say, you know what, uh, it's not why me it's, it's try me. Um, so I'll be that face. I'll be that guy. The, the comeback is greater than the setback. I'll be the face of recovery. Um, and, and because my story is so crazy and so wild that people are going to be like, Oh my God, I thought I was wild. Did you read Mike's book? Holy, what the, I, he's lucky to be alive, which I am. And that's why when I enter into these treatment centers, when I enter into the high schools and the colleges, everybody is quiet. Everybody is listening because they can't even believe the stories that we have that are actually true. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I was thinking about the movie that I think should be made out of this book. Who would you want to see portray Mike, the situation Sorrentino? Uh, you know what? I'm a big fan of, uh, Miles Teller. He did a great job with, uh, a biopic or two before this. Um, and also I'm a fan of Top Gun. So I think he would do a great job. I probably would be in the movie as, um, as well as an executive producer to make sure that everything is just right. <laughs> and obviously I'll do a cameo. Maybe I'm the, uh, the therapist doing the intake, uh, <laughs> at one of the rehabs, uh, which, uh, which is, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that would be truly amazing. I would love to see Miles Teller portray you. Um, I don't think you can get the abs, but we'll see. Um, you also bring up in the book, which has gotten a lot of press this week, you talk about, that's what I'm saying. You were so honest in this book. You talk about that you had at one point in an emergency sex tape that yeah. you could sell. It was like the, a lot like if, if, you know, break in place of emergency yeah. and the emergency sex tape, how close did you ever get to potentially releasing that? I mean, we were very close. Um, at the time I was bleeding money. Uh, there was more uh, money going out than it was coming in. The The shooting star that was the situation was, was coming in for a crash landing and um, I had exhausted all the options, but there was, you know, one option left. And that option was, I had this, this sex tape that I had been <laughs> holding on for a couple years in a safe. And it was me and a few participants. It was me plus three. And um, it was very wild. And I was like, all right, it's time. So I went to the lawyers. I went to my team Ironically, at the time, uh, my mom and my girlfriend were in the room at the time. They didn't okay it. There has been some reports that my mom and uh, yeah, yeah. girlfriend approved it. They didn't approve it. They were just in the room at the time 
everybody had wide eyes like, oh my God, like, is this going to happen? Are we really going to do this? Um, so when we started to go down the journey and talk to lawyers and talk to, we, we got, uh, we had to review the tape. Everyone had to watch it. Everybody. Oh my God. Everybody had to watch it. Oh my god. <laughs> no, not not everybody. Just, <laughs> not, just not my mother. Not my mother. That's crazy. Not not even my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> Once we got past the step of it might happen, then it, it got to the next step, which was okay, let's watch it. Uh not everyone, uh, a few people, uh not my mom and my sister. I want to clarify, yes, my, yes. You know, clarify and my my then girlfriend. Um then we started to uh, contact like the adult entertainment uh, uh, companies like Vivid and we wanted to see the process of releasing it, how we would release it, how much money they would give me up front. And once we started to go through that, I wasn't happy with some of the proposals that I was getting. I, I you know, uh, like again, you're, you're talking to a guy that was getting upwards of almost $200,000 an episode from yeah. – from MTV, uh, I had I'd gotten endorsements from uh, you know pharmaceutical companies that were happy. You were like Suboxone, a drug that yeah. you thought they thought you should be on, but you were actually yeah. uh, so on drugs at the time. You had all I these was things. Getting big money endorsements, uh, making big money. So when we started to do the sex tape uh, journey or investigation to what would the, the offers we were getting, I'm, maybe they offered like six figures up front and some back end. Uh, and I was like, I wanted more up front because I, I needed more up front because I was bleeding the money and I needed yeah. to try to lessen the, the fall. Uh, so when, when I started to hear like less money up front and then the fact that we had to do more due diligence, I'm like, the juice is not worth the squeeze. There's more negatives than positives right here. Um, and who knows what have, would have happened if I would have released it, uh, you know, thank with God, thank God you well. didn't. I mean, it, yeah. it, it seemed like everything worked out the way it's supposed to, which life will kind of sometimes point you in that direction as we start winding down here. And I just want to tell you, this is the tip of the iceberg folks. You got to get this book because I am not even getting into the details. I read the Motley Crue, uh, autobiography of that band. This thing is more yeah. insane than Motley Crue's the dirt autobiography. I mean, just talking to the women, the party the traveling, the money, oh, yeah. and the, then the, the fall. The, the women part was was crazy. I, that was definitely a fine line I had to walk to because I, I'm now a, a father and and uh, um, and a husband, but I had to be true to the story uh, about how crazy that time was um, in the early Jersey Shore years when it had first come out. It was the biggest show in the country, and a slow night would be a threesome. A normal <laughs> night would be <laughs> – to 10. Oh, you, you take us through a whole thing of how he would go through the girls, how he would like whittle it down from 10. It is wild, you guys. But when you go back, I don't know if you ever watched that first season of Jersey Shore. Do you uh, see things in that person, in that mic? Could you see fear that we possibly couldn't see? Like, did you see when you ever watched those clips back? Do you remember that? Because uh, you also told like, man, this is some of this stuff is so hard to remember because I was drug addled. I was like on all of these things. But like, what do you you see now when you see clips of the old Mike? I mean, when I see clips of the old Mike, I mean, I mean, certain points, I'm definitely proud of, you know, the, the name that I established for myself. I was a household name. I obviously went for my dreams, but eventually I fell prey to uh, bad decision, indecision, uh, ignorance and, and drug addiction, you know? Um, and uh, eventually though, I had that 
you know, I had that fight in me. I had that dog in me not to give up and to find that next version of myself to, to fight addiction, fight my demons, uh, fight any obstacles to that was in my path to move forward and be the man I am today. So, um, you know, I'm definitely very proud of myself because most people, and it's, and it's really true. If you mention one of the, one of the, one of the many things that I faced, they don't come out the other side. I yeah. faced challenge after challenge after challenge. And I think this is why, uh, you know, my story or myself that I've been spared to, to, to sh- kind of, uh, shine this light that, you know, it doesn't have to be drug addiction. It could be any obstacle you can get through it. Uh, well, I saw Jay Wow and Sally Ann Salsano the other night at a, a variety party. And oh, I said, yeah. I was in, I said, I was interviewing you and they said, Oh, he has a book out. We didn't know. Tell him we said it. They were joking. And, yes. uh, Sally Ann's a creator of Jersey shore. And I just think it's interesting that these guys get to see this new Mike, your cast members, and you're good with everybody in the cast. Everything's good. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, those guys are my besties. I mean, I, uh, the cast right now, uh, we are a family at this particular point, in, including uh, Sally Ann Salsano. She's like the mom. And, yeah. um, you know, Jay Wow, Snooki, Pauly D, Vinny, uh, th- those guys, um, we have a group chat. We speak every day about everything culture, politics, uh, the show, you know, passing context and helping each other out. So um, it's so amazing that this show, 14 or let's say 15 years ago, has. Uh, it has turned into this beautiful uh, friendship that's a, a family now too. It's unheard of, you know. No, that, I mean uh, it's unheard of that you guys came back the way you did with Family Vacation and was you know just as successful in some ways. And we really yes. do care about everybody in that cast. You are part of our pop culture family. And this book, you guys, Reality Check: Making the Best of the Situation, comes out December nineteenth. I'm telling you, this is the perfect holiday gift, or just buy it for yourself. I'm telling you, this is a great read. You are going to be enthralled over the holidays. I was shocked the more I got into it. And we are just, this is the tip of the iceberg. I could talk to you for hours, dude. You truly are an inspiration. Uh, You have been somebody that I have followed for so long. And I just rarely see that with a reality television star that they actually make the changes necessary. And I'm so glad you are seeing the fruits of all that labor, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Very well spoken. And even to this day, uh, like I said, the book comes out in the next uh, week or so. I'm I'm shooketh when I read my own (laughs) stories. I'm shook. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Uh, and that's how good this book is. Um, well, can I come over for Feast of the Seven Fishes this holiday? Is that, was that, oh, uh, I am turning up, man. My yeah. Christmas Eve, uh, this dinner is going to be, uh, you know, top tier. It's going to be extras AF. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to celebrate with the kids um, and enjoy the fruits of my labor. Well, you are on the Mount Rushmore of reality, and now you are a book author. I hope to talk to you down the line, man, and thank you for everything that you've done for pop culture and reality television and sobriety. Thank you so much. This is an amazing interview. People are going to love it, uh, as well as the book, and happy holidays, guys. Thanks, man. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies.
Betches.